everyone, I'm Hannah Lloyd. And I'm Charlotte Gilfillan. Welcome to our podcast, Women in Wellies. Each episode, we will be inviting a guest to share their stories, experiences and lessons of working and living in rural Scotland. We want to get to know the real women behind the wellies and share them with you, our listeners. So hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Women in Wellies podcast. We are back from our summer break, refreshed and raring to go with some brilliant guests lined up and also some exciting announcements coming very soon. And speaking of brilliant guests, today we are joined by Helen Smith of Byers Farm. Helen, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, What we like to do at the start of each episode is to give our guests the opportunity to share a little bit more about who they are and what they do. So over to you. Well, I'm Helen Smith. Um, I live at Byers Farm, which is up in Murrayshire, with my husband and my two children. And my husband is the farmer. He farms um, alongside his family and I run an on-farm venue and tourist attraction teaching people about farming and the countryside. Did you grow up on a farm then? So yeah, so farming, born and bred, mum and dad are farmers, um, lived that lifestyle, vowed I was never going to be a farmer's wife because I know what that's like. So never went to young farmers as a very determined teenager not to follow that path. Went off to uni and came back and met my husband who's a farmer four miles down the road from my parents. So it's like best made plans and here I am as a farmer's wife living that lifestyle that I know can be pretty tough but I think it's in your blood. I think it probably is definitely and did you what did you what did you study at uni? So I went to Aberdeen Uni and I studied rural land and business management and was a chartered surveyor like yourself so I was a rural surveyor um, and loved that job until I had children and then going back to that wasn't really going to work being married to a farmer you know you cover huge areas kind of long days and well Bill certainly wasn't going to get off a combine at harvest time to go and do nursery pickup um, because I'm off in a jolly doing something on the other side of Scotland so kind of decided to have a career break until the children went to school and not very good at doing nothing to be honest and ended up setting up this small little business which has grown and grown to what it is today so and the focus of that business is really centered around children isn't it yeah absolutely so as I said farming born and bred did a rural degree lived that rural lifestyle my friendship circles were all children were all rural people sorry um And I didn't really appreciate how little people knew about farming until I had children and my friendship group changed. I started going to baby groups and these people hadn't come from a farming background and they'd come for a play date at the house with the kids and they were just amazed at that lifestyle I had, you know, bottle feeding pet lambs, which can be a horrific job on a farm when you've got to feed them. But the novelty factor to the the non-farming people just amazed me and their thirst for finding out about what we did um, on the farm. So we had a little garage in which to the public was a little barn outside our house and a kind of side area of our garden, but to the public was a paddock. And we set up the fun farm. And I thought if I had 10 children a week came over the course of a couple of years, that would 
pay for the reinvestment to do up that garage into an outdoor playroom for my own children. So popped it onto Facebook and in the first week I had a waiting list of 100 people. So um, that's where the business was born from and it has, it's just continued to grow and grow from that. And have you expanded your offering in, in view of that? Yes. So um, this started off as a tiny little shed and a tiny little paddock with three pygmy goats and I think two hens. That's what we had to start with. Um, and that was on not actually at Bowers Farm. That was a farm a couple of miles along the road. So I did that for two years and then Bowers Farm came up for rent on the Crown Estate and we put a tender in for that. So my husband, his family and myself put that tender in. Um, and a big part of that was we were going to grow and expand this tourism offering that we had. Um, obviously, my husband's a good farmer, um, <laughs> and that's not solely because of my um, tourism business that we got the farm, but it was a big part of the business plan and why the Crown Estate picked us. Um, and we were lucky enough to win that tender, and we moved here in 2018 and rebuilt the venue here and opened that in April 2019. Yeah, April 2019, we opened it again. So it was great because we had run it for two years in the original venue. So we knew, we'd kind of almost tried it first. So I knew the layout of what we wanted to do um, to rebuild it. And it is bigger and better now. And what sort of things are you offering in terms of visits? Because I know you do things like farm tours and then you have very um, kind of structured programmes for different age groups of children as well, don't you? Yeah, so we're open every weekend through the year as a tourist attraction. So anybody can come during the year and buy a day ticket to come at the weekend. Um, during the holidays, that's longer. We do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday during the holidays. Uh, during term time, we've got our muddy meetups group which is for preschool children and their parents. And that is themed and that's really focusing on the education. And every week has a different theme as to what we've been doing that week on the farm. There's a craft activity linked to that, a story and a sensory table. So really educating through fun and play. And the same with our day tickets. You know, when you come to the farm, you're learning by being on the farm. There's a very strong focus on education within that. Um, what else do we do? We've got events throughout the year. So we do our big themed days. So we've got sunflower picking about to launch. Um, we do Santa. We do autumn adventure days, dinosaur days, fairy days, um, Easter. And it's just it goes as big and as crazy as your imagination can let it. That's kind of where the ideas come from. And then we do farm tours, whiskey tours. And we hire the space for parties and corporate bookings as well. And in terms of the kind of wider farming enterprise, you grow a lot of malting barley, don't you? We do. So um, at Byers Farm, it's predominantly malting barley. And over the whole business, there's between eight and 900 acres um, of malting barley that we grow. So the all of that goes to Chivas. Um, so half goes to Glenlivet and about half goes to Aberlour Whiskey. So we work closely with Chivas doing whiskey tours to tell the start of the whiskey story. So we're not dishing out drams to everybody and doing whiskey tastings, but we are um, taking them onto the farm and showing them the process of everything we do to produce the barley before it goes to the distillery. 
I think now more than ever, food literacy is so important and consumers need to understand what goes into producing their food and drink. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, there's a lot of, as you all know, when you've worked with, there's a lot of moaning farmers out there that, you know, like to tell you the bad stories about farming and about consumer opinions and markets. But unless we get the public onto a farm, perceptions aren't going to change. Um, and it's amazing what people's percep- the public's perception is on farming and agriculture. And we take them on. We've got 6,000 pigs here that we have in bed and breakfast for Carol Food Group. And that's really commercial agriculture. You know, it's kind of quite intensive agriculture. But they're in lovely, fluffy bedded straw courts. And the public loves seeing that. And it's not how they think pig farming is from what they've seen on social media and the news and press. So I think to change public perceptions, we really do need to get people onto a farm and show them how it is. That a lot of what we do is educating children, but the parents are there. So we're inadvertently educating parents as well. And it's amazing how little they know and how much they want to know once they start learning a little bit. And do you find that by the time they leave, their preconceptions perhaps have changed? Yeah, you know, quite a lot. Like, I'm not I'm not saying I'm going to convert everybody, but there have been a number of vegetarians that have come to the farm because of welfare reasons and they've left not vegetarian. So I would call that a result, Helen. <laughs> I um, was just going to say, I'm one of those people who grew up in the city and I like go in the spring to a farm and take a lamb selfie and like love like just getting like to learn more about it because I'm not from didn't grow up in that kind of rural environment and I think the things that like places like you Helen offer are so fantastic for opening the door to someone like me or you know so many others I remember quite a few years ago now going to Armprior Farm in Stirling to Rebecca and Duncan for their lambing experience me and three friends and we were the only group that were like all adults we were straight in there for the lamb selfies straight in there to bottle feed the lambs like children you can move aside I came here to feed these lambs too um but we all learned loads that day that we you know we wouldn't have known wouldn't have known otherwise it is like we are set up as I suppose I envisaged as a children's destination, a day for quality family time. Um, but we get loads of young couples coming for date days to the farm to walk around, hand feed the animals, get on top of the straw bale climbing frame, get their selfies. Um, I'm not quite as good as Rebecca Aaron Pryor, but I do like to have my photo props um, out and about and they're all handmade um, here by myself and Claire that works for me. Um, so yeah, but it is, it's for all ages. Helen, I think we've kind of already touched quite a lot on what inspires you to kind of, and what's inspired you to set up the business, the the passion for kind of educating the public and bringing children um, onto the farm, sharing that experience. Is there anything else that's kind of inspired you to carve this kind of life for yourself and create this opportunity at home on the farm? Yeah, so when I was on maternity leave, as I said, touched on at the beginning, I'm not very good at doing nothing. So when I had my first son, I pretty much instantly joined as an Osborne book rep and started selling Osborne books. 
And that probably actually gave me the confidence that I could actually do something myself. You know, that's a franchise type thing. It wasn't totally self-employed, but I enjoyed doing it. And I really enjoyed that interaction with people. Um, So when I set this up, it was really just meant to be for a couple of years to convert the building outside. And it was going to be the closest thing to an extension as I was going to get to my little house. Um, Little did I know it would lead us to moving to Byers Farm, where we have a pretty ginormous farmhouse now that I live in. We've got a new farm. We've got a new venue. I've created this thing that now employs a team of people and it's myself full time. So it does, it totally grew arms and legs, but I love it. And it's allowed me to be at home with my children. Um, So I'm here for them when they get off the school bus at night. It's me that they meet. I, I would say I work. I do the awful thing. I work in the morning before I get out of my bed. I do my emails, which is a terrible habit. But I do my socials, I do my emails before I get up. I'm mum then between like seven o'clock and eight o'clock or half six and eight. I'm mum until they go on the bus. And then I go straight into work mode and I work until three o'clock, quarter past three when they get off the bus. And then I'm mum until half seven, eight o'clock when they're in their bed. And then I'm back to work mode. So I probably work more than I would if I worked for somebody else. But I've created something that's flexible and allows me to be there for the kids. It also means that I'm totally flexible. And if Bill's moving livestock, I can be there to like stand in the gateway. If something breaks down, I can be the one that goes to go and get the spare parts. If they're working further away and they need meals taken out, I can do that. So it allows me to support Bill in the farming business and be involved with that as well. So... Yeah, that's probably been quite a big motivator to grow something that allows the flexibility to work from home. Although some people do deem it as, oh, Helen's at home all the time. She doesn't work, which (laughs) is totally wrong for anyone that's self-employed. Yeah, knows you work more when you're self-employed than you do. (laughs) You're working for someone else such a difficult preconception as well i think people often think oh the farmers they're all at home and you're like no 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 no, they're not they're working really long days really hard graft like it's um it's definitely not easy any of any of what you're any of what you're doing but i love that you've carved that space to like be mum and do do this and do you think helen that setting up all this on the side helps make your farm more sustainable in the long run and allow like even like the next generation like your kids to be able to consider farming as a career as part of your family farm yeah so this is the way that we've structured it it is it runs alongside the farm but it is separate um so it doesn't subsidize the farm in any way neither of them subsidize they stand alone um to each other um but it's certainly my kids are involved already. You know, my daughter, she makes scrunchies and sells them in the shop. Um, we've got a little gift shop and coffee shop. My son, he picks up the horse poo and sells it to people for their gardens and bags. And he makes kindling and sells that to people. So it instills that entrepreneurship from a young age. And it has provided another avenue that can be, allows more families to be involved. If I hadn't had set this up, there wouldn't have been a job with me for me within the farming business. So it's allowed me to be at home. Mm-hmm. And I think what you've just told us there about your kids just demonstrates an entrepreneurial spirit that you see repeated across rural. You know, I think 
Charlotte, you and I both have heard stories like this where it's like straight from a young age, the kids are like getting stuck in, like, how can I make my, you know, how can I make my penny from, from this as, from this as well? And that entrepreneurial spirit goes on to serve you so well as in an ind- in a sector that's, that's so volatile and everyone has to adapt all the time. So Helen, I'm really curious about what it's like working with family because you've obviously built this farming business with various members of the family involved what's it like all working together we've all got our own niche so everybody's got their own bit that they do um and we trend not to step on each other's toes um my husband spend he does most of the arable work on the farm so he spends hours and hours and hours of the day by himself in a tractor he listens to podcasts and business audiobooks all day and comes home with the craziest ideas like the craziest ideas you can imagine so some people think that what we do at buyers is pretty crazy and to be honest that those are the ideas that get through the filter (laughs) I sat next to Bill at a dinner on the rural leadership program (laughs) I've heard so we're probably either a really bad or really good combination for each other so we both egg each other on and we both motivate each other to keep going so um that it's quite interesting yeah some of the ideas do get pretty crazy but um it, it's worked and it's it works quite well and we were good at supporting each other through that it's quite hard to find the time that's not business orientated though you know so we go out for dinner and we end up talking about the kids or work we're like oh dear <laughs> what 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 did we talk about before um and it is hard like we'll go away on holiday and a lot of our best ideas and we come home is sitting in the caravan at Pitlochry with a bottle of wine and a takeaway and we just spitball ideas the best ideas come out after a bottle of wine so (laughs) um or when we have an event you know so we do Santa and there might be like three four hundred people there in a day coming to see Santa and by the and it's cold and it's dark and it's winter and you're just you have to put your all into it so at night it's always a takeaway and a wine after the last night of a big event and you kind of celebrate that success together and come up with the next plan (laughs) so the next you know that's when you come up with the next idea as well so we're a good team but it is it is tricky knowing where to cut the line you know where the lines are have non-work time yeah that's so important that you have that it's very difficult when you're farming I think in particular to get a work-life balance because you I don't think you ever really escape it do you no and I think it's different because you know the thing with farming families is it's not just a job so it must it must be difficult to be enough business with somebody but that doesn't involve home Inherit it's your people's how homes it's people's heritage it's people's private space it's your work it's long hours and it's all intertwined so it does make it difficult sometimes but we get our way through it and how do you feel now going from I don't want to marry a farmer to having married a farmer and being part of a farming family and playing such a significant role within that family and obviously instilling all these values and things in your children think to be honest when I didn't marry a farmer I didn't want to marry a farmer I was probably being just a stubborn teenager that 
didn't want to do what her parents probably wanted her to do. <laughs> it's like, um, I think when I was much younger, I really thought about studying agriculture. I, I loved working on the farm. I loved helping dad. Um, I was always out doing stuff. And I think mum and dad are like, oh my God, she, she wants to come home to the farm. I don't know if we want that to happen. So um, they said, well, let's go and get a career, you know, do a career and the farm will always be here. And then I came home with particulars. I said, I'm going to go and study events management because I loved planning a party. And mum's like, oh my God, you don't need a degree to plan a party. You know, you do parties all the time. So off I went and I did my rural surveying and did the APC, never want to do that again. And then, lo and behold, I've ended up being a party planner on a farm. So I've combined everything that I kind of thought I originally wanted to do. So I think it's always in you. You know, when you come from a farming background, it's just a, it's a totally different way of life. Um, and one of the things that I love about what we do here is that we're showing people that it is a different way of life, but anybody can do it. We've got a young girl that worked for us. She left school. At 16, she's not from a farm, not farming background, and we took her on in the farm apprenticeship scheme. She's about to be 21 this year, and she's been with us ever since, and she's great, and she's well, a very integral part of the team. She's away doing a harvest down south at the moment, um, just for a bit of experience, and we're very much hoping she comes back soon. <laughs> um, Brianna's brilliant and it just shows what I love about Brianna working here is it shows the public that you don't have to be born and bred a farmer and anyone can be a farmer um, if they're given the opportunities and we like giving people those opportunities when we can. It's challenging that stereotype isn't it? It is you know when Brianna drives past in a giant tractor with her long blonde hair and her giant manicured fingernails and waves at the customers it's not what people expect um but she's very good at the job and um as i say a very integral part of the team i love that absolutely love it and really important as well that that in terms of the next generation there's obviously this huge shortage in people coming through into agriculture there is an aging demographic there. Um, there aren't as many people, there aren't as many opportunities now to get into farming um, as there once was. And having those opportunities to come in as an apprentice and having people that advocate for that as well is so important. Yeah, no, the apprenticeship scheme is a brilliant way of getting people into agriculture. And as you say, giving people the chance. Yeah. And I'm curious about your background as well in rural surveying, obviously being a, a fellow surveyor. Do you think that that's really helped in terms of what you do now, what you're delivering, um, that technical background? Yes, yeah, so definitely something. So like we're, as I said, we're in a Crown Estate tenancy here. Um, all our land is tenanted. And I think having that knowledge about tenancies and about what what the other person sitting at the other side of the table is thinking, because I've, I've been that person um, it definitely helps um, and to actually be able to explain to my husband who hasn't had that experience well actually if you just stop think about it from their side of the view and I think it does help in that kind of respect also dealing with more of my corporate clients so we do lots of um, work with schools with kind of businesses with let's say we work with Chivas um, 
you've just got a different mindset in dealing with it. And I could probably couldn't have done this if I hadn't been off and had that career first. I think we've talked a lot about all the all the good things and all the good things that have led you kind of to where you are today, Helen. But there'll be have been some challenges along the way. What would you say is like the biggest challenge that you faced and how did you kind of work to overcome that? So probably one of the things is when you're when I was working, people asked for my opinion and liked it and you know where most hopefully they mostly liked it but you know um you know people valued my opinion and my what I did but when you become self-employed you've got no one giving you that feedback anymore you're on your own you don't get a staff appraisal um, and someone says oh well done you've done good um it's just you that has to tell yourself that and it can be lonely being self-employed you know as we've got the family around about um but it's not a corporate structure. It's not that kind of support network that you have in a, a bigger workplace. So I kind of went and I've joined groups. So I joined Murray Businesswomen. And I remember going along to my first meeting thinking, I'm a fraud. I've just got this tiny little thing on the farm. You know, I'm not real businesswoman. And then realised that's how every businesswoman feels. It's probably how every business owner feels. And uh I've been involved with that since I actually went to my first meeting in January 2020. What a rubbish year to start, you know. <laughs> so I went to one meeting in person and then that was COVID. Um, but I really got involved with that community and kind of joined in with their Zoom. I was a bit mean. I'd paid my subscription for the year and I've only got one meeting. So I was definitely going to do the Zoom calls. Um, and then somehow ended up in the committee the following year. And then that's escalated I'm somehow vice president this year um but I get so much from that support network and being able to talk to people and as I said realizing everyone feels the same everyone has that imposter syndrome that kicks in sometimes um and the other network that we're very involved with is the Scottish Agritourism Group um so go rural the consumer facing brand and Scottish Agritourism the business to business side and I've been the destination leader for that for the last three years. Um, and again, Murray Businesswoman gives me the support in the kind of the businesswoman, but agritourism gives me the support within the actual sector itself. Um, and it's a really friendly organisation. So, you know, I would say anybody that's self-employed, working by themselves, setting up a business, get themselves into a group and some kind of organisation that offers that kind of peer-to-peer -peer support because it is it's brilliant and it does really help to motivate you yeah I am um, I can't agree more like everything you've just said I'm like yes that's like 100% the way because I was when I moved to Inverness in 2019 I joined Highland Businesswomen and um, again a bit like you um Helen was suddenly like oh I'm on the committee and then pandemic came and I think I reckon from what you've just said we probably were on the same zoom calls at various times through through the through the pandemic because I hosted a, a lot of them and kind of joint Highland businesswomen and Murray businesswomen um ones but that that network of people who you feel can kind of like hold you and uplift you but also that you can be open and honest and vulnerable with to allow you to say this is really difficult this has been really hard but also this has been amazing and I'm delighted that I've kind of, you know, achieved this today. But actually through some of the like tougher days, you know, the corporate 
client that was going to bring you in X and hit your target didn't come through or you know you've got a group of people around you who are saying yeah you know I also didn't win that client today and it's and it's rubbish and I, I wish I had and, and all of that and I think that's it's so powerful and we all you know whether you work like I've I work in a business but it's I've still found those networks hugely valuable um and I think you know Murray businesswomen Highland businesswomen are full of great women doing amazing doing amazing things yeah and and push yourself out with your comfort zone is the other thing I would say like sometimes it's terrifying I am not the most confident person like sometimes I really shy away from things and I have to push myself to just do it because it's the right thing to do and the sense of achievement when you come out and you feel that you've done something like that that you've pushed yourself to do is worth so much more so a prime example is I was asked to judge the Highland Businesswoman Awards this year, which I did. And that's nice because I could do it from the comfort of my own home, you know, filling in my little matrix form. And I did it. And that's great. I submitted it. And then they've asked me to come to the awards. And I've said yes. And I'm actually going next week. And I don't know anybody going. And I'm absolutely terrified about it. But I know I'll leave feeling inspired, motivated, probably made some business connections. And it's a really good feeling at the other side of it. But yeah, I'll probably spend the next week feeling sick about it. <laughs> There's some nice ones in Highland Businesswomen. I'll give them that. <laughs> there are some nice ones. I I I know a few people who are going, but um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a good, I'm sure it'll be a good night um for the awards. Um, Helen, the other thing you mentioned on your form, and as Charlotte and I are both rural leaders, was that you also have done the rural leadership program. I think 21, 22, was it? Yeah, so I did it. Yeah, 21, 22, I would have done Rural Leader. It was it was great. So I had actually had the form for Rural Leader printed out every year for about eight years before I actually did it. So I first printed it out when I was on maternity leave with my son, uh, who is now almost 11 so I printed it out um first time and I was going to do it it was quite expensive I wasn't making money like my Osborne book business was not booming um and I just felt I just couldn't leave it was a lot of away time back then because you know we were in Europe you went to Brussels and you there was a lot of away and my husband was so busy that he couldn't have the time to look after um the kids so in the, every year I printed it and every year there was the same hurdles. It was expensive. It was a lot of days away. And then 2020, I printed out the form and I thought about it. But it was it was almost the opposite problem. It was all online because it was COVID. And I'm like, I don't actually think I would get anything out of it because it's all online. I want I actually want to meet people. So when I did it 2021, 22, it was a hybrid version I thought this is perfect it's meant to be um so I did I put it in and I did it and I loved it and some of the connections I've made from that are amazing and actually the confidence that I got from it to look deep into the nuts and bolts of the business and yeah what I'm doing is not just a wishy-washy thing it's real and I've I've actually built something real that's worthwhile and it's got longevity to it um and 
I got the, there was a redesigning rural fund to employ somebody. And up until that point, I hadn't really employed anyone. And actually what was holding the business back was the fact that there was only one of me. Um, and there's only so many ways you can cut yourself. So I applied for the redesigning rural fund, got the money um, and employed my first person full time for 10 weeks, which actually meant I had to have somewhere to put them. So we had to build an office within the venue uh, <laughs> which I think the joiner finished on the Saturday and she started on the Monday but you know what we did it and it worked and um, she worked for us um, for a long time and then you know, for personal reasons she had to stop and we've got someone else and we've now got two people that help me and I've got a handyman that does one day a week as well um, so we've got a nice little team now that really works yeah I couldn't do it without them yeah and it's amazing isn't it how something that you felt was a big you know probably felt a big challenge that we we're going to have to delegate let go of responsibility and now it's actually game-changing for the business takes you to the next level gives you the freedom and the chance to do things like be vice president of Murray Business Women which no matter how efficient you are is always going to take time out out of your out of your day and because you've got a team that you can rely on you're able to able to do other things as well yeah, well, I remember speaking to Julia Lato at the um, kind of graduation award thing, dinner, and she goes, you know, how do you find it happened? I was like, well, it's probably sprung me forward five years, to be honest, because I would have never spent the money to build that office just for myself. But having the office means so much more can be even, even when I'm working out there, I've got a proper office that I can work in. I'm not sitting at a cobbled up bench and open to the elements outside which is how we were working before um but because they employed somebody for me and they paid for that money I then felt I could invest the money in building the infrastructure um and yeah it's it's brilliant it has really pushed me forward so anybody thinking about applying do it yeah I think we'll come out just after this year's deadline I think this year's deadline's been extended till next week but um from when we're recording but the um yeah I think it's it's so worth doing and and amazing actually that you feel you can quantify it as much as saying you know it's leapt you forward five years in your business I think that's um that's absolutely incredible so congratulations and it's so inspiring that my husband did it the following year with you guys so <laughs> yeah he was with us <laughs> the poor man hey <laughs> Um, Helen, one of the things that we always ask all our guests is what your advice would be for the next generation of rural women in Scotland. What would yours be? Well, one, do go do the rural leader. Um, second, um, start small. I think anybody can do anything if you start small and you're passionate about it and you build it up. Um if I had sat down and written a business plan, like the grand scale business plan for what we do now, when I started it, it, it wouldn't look like this. But we started small, we listened to the customers and we grew according to demand. I think quite a lot of businesses go in investment heavy with what they think people want and invest, I was going to say thousands, millions of pounds in building huge things and hoping people will come with like facts. You can make facts and figures look like anything on paper. 
but I think if you start small and you're truly passionate about something you can do anything and it's not always about needing more and more and more um as rural people we have the most amazing resources at our fingertips and it's about maximizing what we have and what what physical resources and what skills you have within your family and your business and your rural area to make them grow into something profitable and worthwhile with what you're wanting to do. And in terms of confidence, Helen, you've obviously been you know, really open with us today about confidence when it comes to things like stepping out of your comfort zone and going to events and things. Was there a pivotal moment for you when it came to confidence or has it been just consistency about putting yourself in in those sort of um, uncomfortable positions to become more confident you have to keep putting yourself in those positions to make yourself more confident um I I I could quite happily hide away and not go to stuff I would be quite happy but what I've noticed is when I start actually people other people notice as well is if I'm starting to feel tired like tired run down exhausted you're you're losing your mojo you notice I'll go out less um you know I'll be less sociable and that directly impacts on how much I appear on social media like my stories will slow down um and that directly relates to how many tickets I sell so the more I'm on stories and the more I'm active on social media and the more I'm out and about speaking to people the more bookings come in and the more tickets I sell and the more corporate bookings I have, private bookings, the minute I start feeling bad within myself and hide away and do less social media, I can see the direct correlation in ticket sales. So so now not only do you have to push yourself for your own self-confidence, I have to keep pushing myself because there's a direct there's a direct link to the cash flow at the end of the day as well. So Yeah, it's so funny that you say that, Helen, because Hannah and I have just been having this conversation and um, Hannah is a lot more comfortable putting herself out there in terms of, um, you know, who she is and what she does on social media. And obviously, you know, social media marketing is her absolute forte and she's phenomenal at it. I am not. And it, when we when we first came up with the concept of the podcast, she had said to me, look, you know, you need to put yourself out there more. It's not just about the podcast. It's about us as, you know, co-hosts. It's about what we do, who we are and all the rest. And my God, I fought her on it. And I just was not keen whatsoever. And, and we've just gone through this really, really kind of odd stage where I hate doing the selfies and the photographs. I hate it. It's not my thing at all. Um, but we've just discovered that actually I love doing videos and Hannah hates doing videos, but loves doing all the selfies and everything. So we have this, we have this great balance now about who, who's going to do what and stuff. But, um, but Helen, your social media, I really like it. It's so, it's so engaging. It's so down to earth. It's really personable. And I love that because it draws you in and it makes you want to know more. And it's really clear that you are incredibly passionate, very creative um, in what you're offering and the fact that children play this huge part of the business and what you are hoping to inspire them to, to learn and achieve. Oh, thank you. That's lovely to hear that. Um, it's taken me a long time to be comfortable doing that on social media. I remember when I started, when we first actually moved to Byers, I think that was when I first started doing Insta stories. 
And I remember a lot of the physical stuff that we did out there, I did myself because we'd just taken on a new farm, which is a massive, it eats a lot of cash. So, um, you know, there was money was tight. We had to rebuild our venue from complete scratch. Although I'd spent two years building something, we had to start again. And there was a lot to do. So like I had no workforce. My husband was out working all the time. There was no spare staff. Um, so I laid all the turf by myself and I pulled out all the kind of rubbish that was in the loft above the building. And I picked the walls with Bill before they got repointed and sanded beams. I did a lot of that myself. Um, and I was I remember filming some of it to put on Insta stories. And I couldn't just film it. And I, I filmed it about 20 times, the same thing, because I was just so scared about doing it. Whereas now, uh, you've probably seen I do dog walk updates. And it's brilliant. It's just verbal diarrhea. I just get rid of everything I need to say in one fell swoop and it's done. <laughs> but it's taken me, that's about, yeah, four or five years it's taken me to get comfortable doing that. I feel like I'm light years from that point. Light years. <laughs> <laughs> we did a video for uh celebrating six months of women in wellies podcast and uh i think i was on like 50 takes or something ridiculous i was like nope don't like it nope don't like it nope don't like the sound of my own voice tripped over all my words like nothing no thank you charlotte's like oh i just took like one take and i was like what <laughs> as when we take a selfie i can do one selfie charlotte's on 50 selfies you know it's just we had the BBC here filming last week for Landward um, and they do about a million takes for every shot. I was like, I'm never going to watch TV in the same way again. <laughs> You've been here all day. I think we're going to be on telly for five minutes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Helen, and sharing your stories, experiences and lessons. Thanks for having me. If you want to connect with Helen on social media, you will find all her details in the show notes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on Instagram at Women and Wellies Podcast to stay up to date with all the latest news. And you can email us with any questions on womeninwelliespodcast at gmail.com and we'd love it if you could leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time.